Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. It's uh, you let out a big yawn <laughs> right before recording, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's ten after eight in the evening. Well, you wouldn't know that by looking outside. It's so freaking sunny here. And thundery. Not as thundery anymore. No. We never actually listened to the episode last that we did, the last two parts of the time meddler, to see if we could actually hear the uh, thunder that came through. This microphone, I highly doubt it. If you move more than two inches away from it, you start to lose uh, quality. So I can't imagine the thunder picked up. Boom. Now you're just being silly. Well, I'm just testing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I only say that you're you're tired because, you know, I think sometimes you equate Lazy Doctor <laughs> Who with watching episodes late at night and then you just barely getting through them and then being very sleepy when it time, come times to record. It's a Pavlovian response at yeah. this point. We start recording Lazy Doctor Who or we watch Doctor Who and I just get sleepy, I mm-hmm. think, which is fine because I don't fall asleep. And then every time we record, even when it is late at night, I always perk up while we're recording because I always get excited to talk about Doctor Who. It's fun, isn't it? Um, explain to the listeners why we're watching, uh, you know, for those who just jumped on or something like that, mm-hmm. why we sometimes dip in and out of uh, the first series of the of the reimagined series from 2005. It is because on my other Doctor Who podcast, Verity, we are doing a year of firsts and we are covering the first season of Doctor Who, which we have already covered on this show, first season of William Hartnell, and the first series with uh, with Christopher Eccleston. And I figure, well, you know, I love doing classic Doctor Who, but it's nice to dip into the new series every once in a while, and we're watching this, so, you know, why not talk about it? Yes, the new series. This is from 11 years ago now. Shut up, shut up, shut up. 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know, it's amazing to think about that, isn't it? Mm. You look at Christopher Eccleston now, and he's like he's going gray, if not like almost kind of gray. He's older, you know. He's in his fifties now. Mm-hmm. Billy Piper's in her thirties now. You know, <laughs> it's funny to look back at this. It's, it's, it's like watching the Three Doctors, or something like, or even you know, the Five Doctors, which John Pertwee had left for seven years. You know, that's <laughs> nothing. If Eccleston was to come back like in series ten. It would be like Patrick Troughton coming back in the Five Doctors almost. Wow, my mind is blown, blown wide open. Crazy, like the thing <laughs> that. See what I did there? I mm-hmm. did. Did you actually? Was that your? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, I was. <laughs> sure. Long game. Uh, how, do you remember this one? Not very well. I think again, I probably only saw this one time, and I only had sort of vague recollections of it, and. I actually really enjoy the story. I think it's a neat science fiction-y concept of uh, a space station and a, you know, a whole planet of, of people that have been manipulated and turned into slaves and you know dumbed down. And wow, wow, does it hit, hit home, like right about now, talking about, oh, I can't remember, oh, um, creating a, an atmosphere of fear. Uh, so that you can close the borders. It's like, hello, Donald Trump, anybody? Crazy. And how everyone on the sta- on the spaceship is human mm-hmm. and no aliens about as Adam, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one's about, you know. Yeah, it was... Uh it was a little bit, a little bit youch, but I mean, it, so it's, it's a, it's a concept that is, is hitting home. Therefore it's a concept that is pretty legit. And, and yeah, it, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I've always kind of been a sucker for the type of science fiction story where, you know, the doctor or whomever shows up in a place and things 
don't seem quite right and they have to, to puzzle it out and there's some person or creature in control at the top of it all that they have to figure out what's going on. It's, you know, there's, there's the mystery behind it that I quite enjoy. It's a traditional kind of Doctor Who story when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Very much, yeah. Like this feels very classic series Doctor Who and I... I enjoy the heck out of it. Down to being kind of a dumb monster that's in control at the end of it. I'm not a big fan of the Jaggerfest. And not just because the special effects look old and janky. Like, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I may have liked it better if it was a giant rubber suited thing on the ceiling instead of CGI. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would have liked that a lot better. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it doesn't say anything. Yeah. It just growls. And you got Simon Pegg, whom I had no idea who he was the first time I saw this. Yeah. Um you know, translating and stuff. And he does a good job. And yeah, it's just fun. And I like that um, uh, the woman with braids, I can't think of her name, Kathika? Kathika. Kathika, like that she is a contemporary human. She lives, you know, she she's one of the people that's been turned into a slave, but she smartens up enough to be the one that actually is the savior. The doctor is, as he so often is, he's a catalyst, but he's not the one that's actually the mover and the shaker here. She's the one that has the final word. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the this sort of being a very classic kind of Doctor Who story. This um, the storyline of this was submitted by Russell T Davies. So the story goes to the Doctor Who department back in like the late eighties. Yeah, hmm. this is an idea that he had for quite some time. So he finally made it for this. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. That's really cool. And it makes sense that it does feel, it has sort of that classic feel to it. Yeah, a lot of people uh, said, just assume that, oh, wow, this was like a script, like straight word for word remake of what he had. No, it was just the outline from what I understand, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't picked up. Um, but it's intriguing that he had that, that idea kicking around in his head for quite some time. That and, uh, and Bad Wolf, I think, was also another one that he had in his head for a while when reality TV show things were running rampant. Remember those days? <laughs> yeah. So that's intriguing. That happens that way. Um, what else about this episode? Adam. What do you think of Adam? The, the companion who failed, which was the working title for this episode, by the way, because that's exactly what it set out to do. Um, I The first time I saw this, just watching through it, I, I was kind of feeling, I think, what the show wanted me to feel about it. Like, how could, how dare he do this? How could he be so selfish? And, you know, agreed with the doctor and Rose kicking him out and was like, yeah. But the more that I think about it and the more that I do podcasts about it, I realize that I'm not very comfortable with the way that they, I guess, take on companions in the new series. That is a thing that has changed drastically since the classic series. The classic series, people just literally stumbled into the TARDIS Mm -hmm. or, you know, the doctor just sort of randomly picked up people along the way. There wasn't any of this, I only take the best nonsense. There wasn't a contest. You didn't have to pass some sort of a test in order to travel with the doctor. And I do kind of hate that there's that there's this sort of, you know, you must be worthy. There's no, yeah. there's no, that's awful. That is, to me, that is the opposite of what Doctor Who, at least in the classic series, was teaching us. I felt like I grew up watching Doctor Who and learning that everybody was important, which, you know, is something that the new series claims as well and and that people can make a difference and here I I just I don't now my memory for the classic series is not as good as yours but I feel like there there were times in the show where a companion accidentally gave away the doctor or gave some information to the bad guys and 
and put the doctor on the back foot or gave him a weaker position based on whatever the companion said or did. I feel like that happened kind of a lot. And the only difference is that here he started out being a little bit more, well, he was selfish. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I guess I just, I feel like he was a little bit poorly treated. I'm not saying that he should have been kept on to continue traveling with them, but they leave him with a giant hole in his head. (laughs) There's some obviously obvious jealousy issues from the doctor towards him Mm -hmm. at the the end of last episode and in the beginning of this one he's your boyfriend Mm -hmm. you know so i imagine he you know he never had a chance did adam because Mm -hmm. the doctor was never gonna let him in you know he says oh well she's bailed adam's gone i guess it's just you and me as they go up the elevator Mm. you rolled your eyes i did roll my eyes yeah i know i mean (sighs) And Rose is kind of a little snot about it, too. You know, he's your boyfriend after he faints and was like, not anymore. Wow. Like, I would say that the vast majority of people would probably react the way he did as opposed to the way Rose did. And I think it's cool that she that that Rose is the kind of person um, to to take to this and and be excited by Mm -hmm. traveling with the doctor. It makes her a fun companion to watch. But I don't think it necessarily makes her a better person. I don't know. I just I get a little... I get a little cranky about that sort of thing. She 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 seems a little high and mighty here. Yeah, these the, the smug doctor companion team mm. that everyone not everyone people some people complain about in series two between David Tennant and Emily the Piper and that and the Tennant Rose combo it happens a lot earlier on than people really mm. remember. Like around here, I'd say around here when Rose sort of gets comfortable. Interesting though that this comes when we're when we just watched the time meddler because the early scenes in this episode are the doctor. <laughs> like, there's actually like two scenes. Like, remember in in the time meddler where the doctor's like, "Oh, nice cup of mead, charming, charming," and then all of a sudden just sort of freezes, boom, like becomes <laughs> ultra serious. Eccleston does the exact same thing, and while he's exploring, it's. Rose, the incumbent companion, mm-hmm. explaining various things about the future to the new one, just as Vicky was for Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Kind of a lot of parallel there. Parallel. Pure coincidence that we actually watched him yeah. at the same time. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, this one, um, I think I'm like you. I liked this one a lot more than I thought I would. Whenever people think of series one, that first series, this one for some reason just sort of like gets ignored forgotten about but i i like this one better than the slothene two-parter i think um Mm -hmm. without a doubt yeah the fact that it's you know it doesn't take as long i think is Mm -hmm. probably why perhaps people forget about it simon Pegg pulls now off the the unprecedented trilogy i think of appearing in doctor who um star wars and star trek Mm -hmm. not many people have done that that's that's the triumvirate right there yeah, the holy trinity, if you will, and all within like ten years of each other too. That's that's some serious like crowning geek cred right there. Yeah. Um, anything else about the, the long game that you want to talk about that you don't want to save for the <laughs> Verity podcast next Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Talking about the long game. Um, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. If I think of something else later, I'll just yeah. try to say it on Verity, I guess. Brian Grant directed this, his only Doctor Who story that he directed, and I thought he did very good, a uh, very good job. This was made pretty much around the same time as The Empty Child of the Doctor Dances, actually. Yes. Production block 4A, if you're counting at home, 
4B was emptied out the child doctor dances. This is this is originally going to be part of the Dalek Father's Day block, but um, but they the effects are going to be too. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intense. So they had to actually devote an entire production block to this one episode. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. I mean, besides the the shiny Jagger Fest, you had the spike thing and the shots of the exterior of the um, Ship, you know, the, the satellite, satellite five. five. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the the sets and stuff, all the the ice and and that sort of thing mm-hmm. was you know this was this was a pretty intensive intensive project and you're right this one does get sort of forgotten it's not so much that it's derided or anything it's just people don't really talk about it too much and i think that's a shame because story wise i think it is really interesting and actually this reminds me of something it is interesting uh thinking about how in the time meddler we had vicky sort of trying to figure out what would happen if time changed Mm -hmm. and obviously by this time we have we have clearly shown that yes history can change because the doctor remembers this era of earth's history being completely different and the reason that they get onto this and that all this stuff happens is that the doctor knows that it's wrong and decides to poke his nose in and investigate and he at the end of it he assumes that everything is going to end up being just fine um because everything will will catch back up. So he doesn't want to stick around and clean things up. He doesn't want to tidy up because, nope. <laughs> oh, doctor. Always running around, letting other people clean up his messes. Mm-hmm. At least that is very, very consistent with classic Doctor Who. That's another thing where like this episode from front to back is very, very classic Doctor Who in feeling because, yep, he just, he just up and runs away. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Well, speak well in its defense on Verity mm-hmm. whenever you record next. Um, tomorrow that's tomorrow tomorrow for us mm-hmm. um and we'll, we'll get back to classic who season three galaxy four um something five I know. <laughs> satellite five <laughs> satellite five nice yeah, well played well played thanks very much okay bye bye <laughs>